Welcome to Makers and Shakers of Chinese History. I'm Mark. It may need to take one of the best Hollywood screenwriters to be able to write a play as extraordinary as the life story of Zhu Yuanzhang, also known as Emperor Hongwu of the Ming Dynasty in the 14th century. Not only did he bring in a dynasty, he also reigned for 30 years until his death at the age of 69. His dynasty, the Ming, meaning bright, went on to rule China for 276 years and has been considered by many historians as one of the greatest eras of orderly government and social stability in history. But the most jaw-dropping part of his story was his background. Across history, the most inspiring success stories come from those most unexpected. Zhu Yuanzhang is joined by King of Rome, Servius Tullius, and the Byzantine Emperor Justinian in rising from humble beginnings to seize more power than anyone could have ever thought possible. Now pause for a second to think about your standards for a leader of a country who would qualify for having humble beginnings. This is where Zhu Yuanzhang started. He was born into an extremely poor peasant farmer's family around 1328 in eastern China. It's an understatement to say that his parents were so poor that young Zhu Yuanzhang had no school to go to. Many scholars believe Zhu actually had to work as a cowherd to help out the family when he was just a young boy. His early years were mostly obscure, yet later accounts claim he often had to survive by eating grass and tree bark. Yeah, you heard me correctly. If accounts are accurate, that's pretty convincing of rock-bottom life. To make things worse, when he was 16, his entire family starved to death from a severe drought. Zhu Yuanzhang became an orphan, left completely destitute. He was forced to seek refuge and become a novice monk at a local Buddhist monastery. It wasn't until then that Zhu Yuanzhang began learning how to read and write, something that would be of great use to him later in life. But life as a novice monk wasn't easy either at that time. It was also said that he occasionally had to beg for food in nearby settlements. So how did this orphaned teenage peasant, who was starving and uneducated, who had to beg for food and shelter as a monk, rise from rock bottom to the royal palace? Long story short, Zhu Yuanzhang joined one of the insurgent forces that had risen in rebellion to the Mongol-ruled Yuan dynasty and rose rapidly through the ranks to become a commander. As the rebel forces united, the ruthless and determined Zhu Yuanzhang emerged as a leader and went on to overthrow the Yuan dynasty and conquer all of China. Zhu Yuanzhang was 40 years old when he proclaimed himself emperor in 1368. There's a Chinese saying that goes, it is easier to attack a city than keep it. Now, what did it take for Zhu Yuanzhang to reinforce his regime as a founding emperor? Did his background play any role in ruling a vast country? Did the ruling class look at him sideways because of his humble beginnings? 
So when Zhu Yuanzhang became Emperor Hongwu, his personal preferences had the capacity to make a huge difference. For those of you listening, imagine if you became the head of state. What would you change or keep the same? Would you get revenge on those who made you suffer? Would your era be a swinging party or hell on earth? On that note, let's talk about what he did as the Ming Dynasty's head honcho. First off, Emperor Hongwu hated corruption that he witnessed during the Yuan Dynasty so much that he went to extreme measures to make sure corrupted officials under his reign received due punishment. Stringent, merciless ways of punishment that were unparalleled throughout Chinese history lasted many years and caused massive killings. For example, a county-level official who was found corrupted would be exiled to the country's northernmost deserts. If this official was found to have embezzled three kilograms of silver and more, he would be executed in such a savage way that the level of cruelty could appall the infamous Ramsay Bolton from Game of Thrones and Gilead of A Handmaiden's Tale combined. Just to give you some mental imagery of the various forms of execution, ever heard of Death by a Thousand Cuts? Though the title is pretty self-explanatory, this is done by a blade that methodically removes portions of the body over an extended period of time, eventually leading to death. Whew. If that was a bit over-elaborate, there was always the option of being skinned. Needless to say, no one ever survived the execution room, not even his founding generals and son-in-law. Ironically, civil servants were paid rather badly, and corruption seemed the inevitable way out, and couldn't be eradicated at all. At the same time, he encouraged vigilantism, there were rules allowing commoners to catch corrupt officials themselves and send them to the Ming capital to be punished. As the icing on the cake, so to speak, these vigilantes were even able to receive free bed and breakfast services along their journey. That alone might get some people to consider ratting someone out for just about anything. But do you think these officials would be easily caught by an unarmed man on the street? On another note, he believed agriculture was more important than trade and commerce. Emperor Hongwu was still a farmer at heart. It does make sense to say that his leadership style, as well as his policies, were very much influenced by where he came from, a peasant farmer. So, needless to say, there wasn't a royal flower garden in his palace. Instead, he made sure there was a royal organic farm to supply fresh green veggies to the entire palace. Yeah, like a Whole Foods supermarket in his backyard. The entire country, under Emperor Hongwu's rule, grew from a commercialized society to an almost completely agricultural one, as he promulgated policies and laws boosting agriculture and those restraining trade and commerce. More specifically, he prohibited all private activities on the high seas, revoking the prior maritime trading tradition. Oh, 
And for all the merchants, capitalists and folks that were rolling in dough, they all had another thing coming. Apparently, he cared more about farmers and underdogs than businessmen and the rich. Under Emperor Hongwu, farmers got to enjoy tax-free policies and free grain during famine years. They also got to wear better clothes than tradesmen, who had to overcome a lot of difficulties in order to get equal education opportunities. Many families of businessmen in the most developed regions were forced to relocate their entire family to remote, underdeveloped areas of the country. But it didn't stop there. He also ordered that no landlords should own slaves and servants, who were then liberated and became free. If there was anyone who had no other means but to sell him or herself as a slave, the imperial court would buy back his or her freedom. Now here's a quality that should be adopted everywhere, and that was Zhu Yuanzhang respected the elderly, and he wanted everybody else to follow suit. While nomadic rulers valued young men who could fight in battles, rulers of an agricultural civilization thought highly of the seniors with a lifetime experience. Local government officials were required to keep track of the elderly population within their jurisdiction, those aged 80 and over and with good reputations would be rewarded by the government, while those aged 80 and over with no assets would receive poverty relief supplies of grain, meat and alcohol. Those aged 90 and over got additional cotton and cloth rations. Care to venture a guess about his attitude towards Buddhist monasteries? This might come as a surprise. While he once got saved by a Buddhist monastery, the emperor ordered to limit the number of Buddhist monasteries in the country. For those thinking about getting ordained as a Buddhist may have to reconsider. Children and women under the age of 40 were not allowed to be accepted by a Buddhist monastery. Young men over the age of 20 should get family and government approval first before becoming monks. Young monks were required to take exams within the first three years. If they failed, they must go back to lead a secular life. Another quality to note that may be frightening to some, especially if you held any status or clout in that time, was he distrusted intellectuals and scholars and exercised absolute imperial power. This would be like the US President furloughing the House of Representatives in the Senate and saying, I got this, you've all been dismissed and can go home. Since we put that into perspective, few of the founding fathers of the Ming who were scholars ended well. Zhu Yuanzhang also took a bold move in abolishing the prime minister system that had existed for some 1,500 years a system that allows the Prime Minister to check and balance the power of the Emperor. Instead, he put in place a new system known as the Grand Secretary, who only served as the literal meaning of secretary to the Emperor. Here's another interesting point about foreign relations at this time. Emperor Hongwu disliked population migration. He preferred that people stay where they were born. To make sure of that, he introduced the travel permit policy. Commoners must show their officially approved travel permits once they were found travelling beyond a 50 kilometre distance from their home. Whoa! 
So if that sounds like you're on probation or house arrest, you kind of were under this regime. Those without the official documents would be treated as outlaws. He adopted a similar policy when it came to job hopping. People of certain professions had to pass their own professions to the younger generations, who were only allowed to change their trade with permission from the emperor. There are many unofficial history records of Zhu Yuanzhang outrageously killing innocent people. Although not necessarily true, you can get a perspective of how Zhu Yuanzhang was viewed among folk and scholars. He was known as many things in one person. A peasant boy, an orphan, a novice monk, a beggar, a rebel commander, an emperor, a hero, and a rogue. But many historians believe that throughout his reign, he proved himself a peasant in nature. A peasant who grabbed the whole deck for himself when fate hadn't dealt him the best hand in life. For those of you listening, would you have done the same? What kind of ruler was he to you? Well, that's all we have for you today in this episode. Special thanks to San Lian Dong Du for contributing to the content. If you like the podcast, subscribe for free wherever you listen. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thank you for listening to this episode of Makers and Shakers of Chinese History. I'm Mark. See you next time.